Welcome to Illuminate Higher Education, sponsored by End-to-End Services and our Illuminate app. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders, technology leaders in higher education, and most importantly, students, to chat on hot topics, share solutions, collaborate, and envision the future of higher education together. Let's illuminate higher education once and for all. Hello, everyone. My name is Kieran Kuritala, founder and CEO of Illuminate Higher Education Podcast. I'm excited to have an amazing guest for you today, Dr. Lee Lambert. He is the CEO and president of Pima Community College. Dr. Lambert has asked me to call him Lee. So Lee is great um, leader in community college and higher education and let him talk about himself. But looking at his bio, he has committed himself in for armed first armed services. He's a he's a veteran. He has received CEO of the Year Award from Association of Community Colleges trustees. And also he is a leading advocate for diversity and inclusion in higher education from academic perspective, faculty perspective, administrative perspective, and most importantly, student perspective. All in all, Lee is an advocate for students in every step of the way, whether as a administrator or an executive for a college like Prima Community College, uh, Lee's testament is, is, a, is a history to look at ourselves. Dr. Lee Lambert, thank you so much for joining this podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you, Kiran. And I'm very pleased and honored to be on with you uh, today. So uh, when I look at your life of experience, uh, it's almost like humbling to see somebody of your magnitude and your skill level is um, is involved and in leading Pima Community College. Um, I would like to hear a little bit about the backstory and how you moved from serving in the armed forces to leading education institution like Pima. What is the background? What what led you in this journey? I would love to hear your 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 journey here, moving from serving the country and serving education. Well, a lot of that is rooted in my lived experience. So, so my father is from uh, the Greensboro, North Carolina area, and as a young African American male, uh, he he uh, you know had his enormous challenges he had to face, uh, and what he wanted to do was to leave the area to make sure his children would never have to deal with the level of discrimination and hate that he lived through and his family lived through. So he ended up joining the army and eventually ends up in South Korea where he meets my mother. And, and as you know, if you know a little bit about the history of Korea, they went through their own share of enormous disruption, especially during her lifetime coming out of the Korean War and et cetera. So, so my life has been rooted, if you will, in this notion of social justice through my parents and, and their own experiences and through their struggles. And then through what I've lived through has really led me to want to make a difference in the lives of others. And so that's been my guiding North Star, if you will, throughout my career, whatever that career choice was, I was going to make sure that I'm impacting people's lives in a positive way so that they don't have to go through what my parents went through and some of the things that I've had to live through. And unfortunately, many more Americans live through even to this day. 
I love it. Uh, I love it so much because social justice is such a loaded topic, right? Because anytime you ask about social justice uh, to a politician, you'll get a different answer uh, to a person who's serving in military or a veteran like you are, you'll get a different answer. I would like to hear your take on like what social justice means to you and how it was relevant uh, from your personal uh, perspective. And, um, you know, I want to get into why social justice and education are so important topics for the modern day. So let's start with the backup on why social justice is important to Lee. Um, you know, I want to hear your backstory there too. Right. Oh, no, great, great question. And, and I'll, I'll root it this way first. Uh, and I think, it, uh, and it's rooted in research. When you think about the work that Gallup has done and, and, and what one of the important pieces that their, their research has shown is people really need a good job. And if you have a good job that allows for family livable, sustainable wages, then you start to address a lot of the inequities in our society. So, so social justice to me in the context of what we do in higher education is to make sure that people are getting the skills, the knowledge and the abilities so that they can pursue that good job. So that way they can make a difference in, the, in their own lives and the lives of their family. I try to keep it simple that way. So, uh, and there's a lot of different aspects, right? We could get into housing, food insecurity, and the list goes on. But, I, right. but I'll keep it grounded in that notion of a, of a good job. And so, so social justice is making sure that people have access to the educational opportunities, but not only that they have access, they have equitable access to those educational opportunities. Because the because the starting point isn't the same for for everybody, right. and so you have to calibrate your systems according to where that individual is, so that he or she can have that opportunity for that good good job. Yeah, I mean that's that's very powerful, right? I mean, in your mind, just so that I understand it, social justice is rooted in having some level playing field for an economic um, justice perspective that everybody has the right opportunities to get a job or uh, pursue a job or obviously um, you know support fulfill a job um, and um, you you said something uh, even powerful like equitable justice right so what is the difference uh, can you explain what that means what does the social equity mean in terms of the modern modern world um, in uh, with respect to is it are we talking about uh, equity with respect to race? Is it equity with respect to geographic areas or equity with respect to economic conditions? Uh, what are some of the core factors when it comes to educational institutions? Well, I mean, as you point out, Kieran, I mean, there's so many variables as we start to talk about this. But for purposes of our conversation, let me, let me root it in the, the racial component. And when I look at the experience that my father grew up with. He, he, he didn't have the same educational opportunities that a lot of folks in the majority culture had. He didn't have the, the same textbooks. He, he, he grew up in that separate but equal concept. Well, it, nothing was, was equal about that, that way of thinking. So then you come to him and say, well, now you have access to college, just like everybody else. And, and we, we expect you to perform like everybody else. Well, he didn't start out at the same starting point as everybody else. So that's what equity is about, is it's being able to acknowledge that difference. 
What more might he need? What more might so many other students need so that they can get to that same endpoint? It will be a different journey to that endpoint, but but that we recognize from an equity lens that that not everybody's starting from the same some beginning point, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's um, a good way to explain it. For example, let's just take a sports analogy. Let's just pick tennis, right? Uh, and a student is in a tennis family where the parents teach the student how to play tennis until they're 20 years mm -hmm. old and uh, they get in the right coaching, they get the, all the right training. And uh, at 20 years old, he is now about to go to, let's call it a tennis prep school. And then they bring in another student who has never touched a racket and say, you know, here's a racket. Now you have the same tools that the guy has, go play tennis with him, right? So when you, when you explain it like that, it sounds like that doesn't make any sense. But in education, that's what we do from an equity perspective. We want to say, well, you know, the all we understand that there were systemic factors that have hindered some geographic and racial and political areas, um, but they're not there yet, there anymore. So go pursue, but the economic factors are still there. The social factors are there, still there. And the, the thing about equality in education is that, you know, education is the greatest equalizer, right? Um, it actually, when you get somebody four-year education um, or a certificate at a community college, that gives them a level playing field regardless of what race and what economic background they have. But there is also a certain barrier to get there, right? So that's what I want to talk to you about too. Uh, where there's an, while that's an equalize, equalizer, um, most students are not afforded that opportunity because of whatever their constraints are, whether it is their um, economic constraints, whether it's their social constraints, and um, what other uh, issues there are. So I wanted to hear from you on how you are, your pursuit on bringing this equality and equity is being implemented at Pima Community College. Well, I mean, you know, present day, you know, we, it, it, there's so many examples, right? So one, one of which is the digital divide. So we, we've, we've created an environment now where students have that access to us. We've set up computer labs. Well, that's all fine and great, except for when you have a pandemic and you have to suspend or close your operations down. And so low-income, disadvantaged students disproportionately uh, are students of color, and now they don't have access to the computer lab. Now they don't, therefore they no longer have access to key learning tools. So there you go, right? So that's right. so so uh, that's an example of the inherent systemic uh, impacts of race and and ethnicity, et cetera, on higher education. But then, so it how goes did even you guys work that. around that in the pandemic? Um, because I think there's, yeah, I'll let you finish your train of thought because I'm, but I would like to drill down on like what did, what happened in Pima to support the pandemic because of that lack of equity because of the pandemic? So, so support of this is, so we thought we were solving a problem and, and we were leveling a playing field. Sure. Uh, but, but what we didn't realize was at the end of the day, the student needs to be able to take that home with them. Student needs to be able to do it from home 
or do it from anywhere they may end up being. And I think that's one of the big learnings from this pandemic is we have to personalize and customize the learning to the individual. And that means also giving them the tools to carry with them wherever he or she is. So what we've done at Pima, uh, thanks to the CARES Act uh, funding, we, we increased the number of tablets, laptops, uh, hotspots to give out to students on a loan basis so that they can uh, learn from wherever, whenever they need to. So that was one of the ways, but we would not have been able to do that, but for the investment that the federal government made. Uh, now, was that enough? No, it's not enough, but it's an important start uh, to addressing the reality in the 21st century. It's no longer just about social, emotional, critical thinking. You got to af- actually have access to the digital tools too. Absolutely. But also that also brings up another issue in that uh, going back to the tennis player analogy, you can give them the best racket, but if they don't have access to a good tennis court nearby, that doesn't help them. So in this, in some students, they might have an issue where they might have the best computer, but they might not have a good Wi-Fi at home, or they might not have a good learning environment at home if they are living with their parents or uh, right. stuff like that. So the equality inequality does still exist, right? Regardless of the tools, and uh, I want to see how you know how this can be more normalized going forward. Where as we start thinking about providing better tools to students. Are we thinking about providing them better learning environments at home? And if so, what would that look like? I mean, and obviously, and it's just like your tennis analogy. Yes, I can get you the best racket. I can get you into the best courts. But if I don't have you with the right shoes, I still haven't addressed <laughs> right. your, your, your challenges, right? So, so we have to recognize that, that this is multifaceted. And the college can solve some of the problems. The federal government can solve some of the problems. The state government can solve. But at the end of the day, if I have to go into an environment where I'm living in a multifamily dwelling, where where there's a number of people there and it's loud, it's you know engaging, uh, then it's going to impact my ability to learn. Uh, so we have to we have to not lose sight of that. It's not just let's get them a laptop or let's get you a hotspot. It, it's more involved than, than that. And I think that's the challenge we're all going to face as we really, if we're serious about addressing uh, social yeah. justice and equity. But I think you are right on uh, one, one angle about the digital divide also, in that while there is a lot of, education is the greatest equalizer, but also is technology, right? The good news with what happened in the last 10 years is that Every student now has a smartphone or smart device that they are using to communicate with their peers, their friends, and their family members. And obviously, they're using it now to access educational resources also. So it's entirely, and one of the themes of this podcast is really about how technology can be the greatest innovator and disruptor of education. And frankly, it can also be the greatest equalizer because regardless of what house they live in, we know that they all have a smartphone. And if we can deliver quality, engaging content, educational content to the students, that might allow the student to pursue better 
what are your uh, thoughts on education and technology on whether technology is a disruptive force for education or constructive force for education? Um, I would love to hear your thoughts as the leader um, that's leading the way in this. Well, you know, I, I, I look at things in, uh, not at, in terms of good or bad, but more about what, what opportunities do they provide? So if you look at technology as a disruptor, uh, disruption is not a bad thing. It presents an opportunity to do something transformative, but also it allows for the personalization and customization of learning to put it, that power in the hands of the learner. But what it's going to require in part of the organizations is we have to optimize for mobile uh, technology. If we haven't optimized our systems for a mobile learning, it won't matter that I have a mobile phone. And I think that's part of the challenge we're seeing now. Our systems weren't optimized for a mobile learning environment. And, and so there's a lot of work we're gonna have to do if we wanna bring that access, if you will, an opportunity uh, to the learner. Yeah, I think that's the key. Um, and uh, and there's multiple things, right? Providing learning content on the mobile device is good. Providing engaging communication through the mobile device is important. And a lot of um, your discussions around technology and uh, bringing a equity for our level playing field is really good. You know, I also want to hear about the community colleges versus four-year colleges, right? When we talk about barriers for education, I feel like four-year colleges are very strenuous in their admissions requirements, uh, and uh, some of them are, it's difficult for most students to get into them. That's number one. But even in the, even the number of students that get in, they also fall wayside because the graduation rate in a four-year college is around 30%. And this is where community colleges are truly constructive and disruptive and innovative force because you are more focused on uh, completing, a, providing a vocational skill for a student uh, that is specifically for to perform a job or to provide a life skill. So I want to see how like you, you see it, like that's just from an external perspective, but are you seeing community colleges as the disruptor of education? And if so, why? Uh, so, so let me say this to, uh, to start with. We have constructed a system that is hierarchical in its nature. So, so the thinking is ultimately you got to go to the university. But what if that linear path is not right? What if that is a, a false assumption? And I, and I would argue that it is because it's really about skills. And when you start to look at how you build a system around skills, then it's sometimes the university is where you got to go to get it. Sometimes it's the community colleges where you got to go to get it. Sometimes it's an apprenticeship that you have to go to get it. But the point is, it's an ecosystem, and each piece is important to the to overall ecosystem, not a linearity in, in the model, if you will, or a hierarchy in the model that says that, that uh, until you go here, do, do you get skill X? Well, right. you know, there's plenty of examples where that's just not the case, right? So so I think we need to, you know, rethink our mindset about how the system is constructed. Now, with that said, community colleges are, are uniquely positioned primarily because we offer that workforce training component that is more skills focused, that is better aligned to uh, the needs of the employer and the community. 
And so, so we're more rooted in a community identity, whereas some uh, universities or four-year colleges are not. But, but, but that, that doesn't take away from the significance of what they do as well. So it's really about how do we better work together to support the lifelong learning of an individual and, and ultimately the communities in which we are uh, located at. Great. Well, you, you said the next buzzword for me, lifelong learning and community colleges, and most importantly, skills. And you're absolutely correct. Four-year colleges are selling credential, which is a transcript, and community colleges are selling life skills, which is a very big distinction with a big difference. I enjoyed this episode with you. I would like to talk more about it and also pick your brain in the next episode. Stay tuned, everybody. Uh, we are going to come back in the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Illuminate Higher Education, sponsored by End-to-End Services and our Illuminate app. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network. You can learn more about Illuminate app at illuminateapp.com and continue the conversation with us there. If there are any topics you'd like us to discuss further, please email them to us at podcast at n2nservices.com. That's podcast at n2nservices.com. Thank you.